As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, very happy to be joined by uh, the coach of the second best team in the American Hockey League. Uh, coincidentally, right here in San Jose where the Wild, uh, the Minnesota Wild play uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Tim Army, thanks for doing this on a game day. I, I cannot imagine too many coaches would be thrilled. You might not be thrilled, but too many coaches would do this on a game day when you're playing the Barracuda here on Wednesday night. No, my pleasure. We had a good pregame skate today and uh, back at the hotel, so I got a little bit of time. So I'm glad to be able to do it. Glad um, to catch up with you. What, how have you guys done this? Uh, I mean, it just, you know, in Minnesota, we get to watch from afar, but you just, you know, we see Mayhew scoring every night, Anna scoring every night, Kakinen getting shutouts, it seems, every night, but... But it's got to be a whole lot more than three or four players that are doing this for you guys. Yeah, because if you look at it, you, Jerry Jerry went back up, and we've got five or six points since Jerry went back yeah. up. Bart goes up. We get three or four points. You know, without Bart, we, we are, we're deep. We have a great group of guys that fit extremely well together. They care about each other, and they care about winning. They work hard. They execute. And, the, you know, there's some things that we, we, we're, we, we're very fast. Uh, we're deep, we're conditioned, and we're aggressive, and we're hard to play against for that reason. I think that's why we're one of we're such a good team in the third period, and we have had a number of uh, we lead the league in wins coming back in the third period, and and uh, there's, I think there's a reason for it because of our mindset as well as our our the way that we play, uh, and the guys are committed to it. Uh, we say this all the time: we're not a moral victory team. 
Mm-hmm. Even the other day, we lost in overtime here. We had 46 shots. We had more than enough opportunities to win the game. It was one of those nights it didn't go in. But it's not a team you go in and they don't, they're not, they win or lose. And they get, they get set for the next game. So they're very focused, very committed, and we're deep. And so when we've had, and we've had, we've had our share of injuries and call-ups, we're always able to continue to find our way. And we don't change anything. We don't change the way that we play. We don't address guys going up. We don't address injuries. We're ready to go. we got another game to play. Let's be ready to go. You're in. Here's what we need to do, and let's get it done. And a good example we might see here is Wednesday night. I, you know, Capo Kakinen is hurt for you guys. He's been the best goaltender in the AHL this year, at least in terms of victories, shutouts, uh, st- stats, goals against, save percentage right up there as well. Um, and Matt Robson, it's I mean, that is that the way you, you do it, guys? It's it's Robson's net now. Absolutely. We don't even talk about it. That's no different if Capo got called up or other injuries, other call ups. We, we got back to practice. Everybody knew that, you know, Capo got hurt after the game on on uh, Monday. And, and Capo's back in, in St. Paul right now and being evaluated. So there'll be more information to the extent of his injury. Uh, but he's seeing our, our doctors back in, in St. Paul. Uh, but. When we got to practice yesterday, we don't even address it. Robbie's in the net. Uh, we, brought, we brought Derek Barabo up from Allen, who's playing really well in Allen. His numbers are really good. Freddie was just there a week ago to see him. Uh, and so we, we get right back at it. We had good practice yesterday. Uh, we worked on some things that uh, we want to we be a little bit more efficient tonight against San Jose, and it was just it's sort of business as usual. And Freddie is Freddie Shabbat, the uh, goaltending coach for the Iowa Wild. Uh, you have a heck of a coaching staff. I mean, Brent McLean, which I just find is fu- funny, is doing the power play. Alex Tangay, who is a power play star in the NHL, is doing the penalty kill, but your special teams have been really good this year. Been outstanding. It's a, it's a credit to our personnel, and both guys have done a really good job. Max done a great job with the power play, and and, for, uh, and uh, Alex Duntang's done a great job with the, with the penalty kill, and it's good. So before we had hired Tangs, uh, we were going to move Brett. Mac was going to move to the defense side of it and, and run our defense. And then he had done the penalty kill, and it's good for coaches. So from my vantage point, we're trying to develop our coaches and our trainers and our equipment people as well as our players. So it was good for Mac. Uh, we were going to let Mac do the power play. It was, was good for him to explore different different avenues as a coach. So when we hired Alex, Mac was already going to do the PP, so it was good for, for Alex, who was a pretty good penalty killer, but obviously a great power play guy. But it was really good. It was a, it's a nice challenge for, for Tangs to work with the penalty kill, and both units have been, been critical. Special teams are critical uh, on a game-to-game basis, and, and the guys have been great preparing our guys, and, and we got we got good personnel. we got personnel that fits uh, both special teams units, and, and both have been, been very good, a big, big part of our success to this point in the season. Uh, you have to have good special teams. So, yeah, we got a really – got an outstanding staff, and uh, with Freddie Shabbat working with the goalies, and Keith Paulson is our video coach and does a terrific job. So, from a coaching staff standpoint, it's a terrific uh, – a great staff. And then from Massa and Cole, our two athletic trainers, and Shaky – and Sturzy, um and Josh, and from the equipment staff, and Johnny Rogers, who we hired over the summer uh, f- f- uh, with, as our strength coach. It's just it's a terrific group of people, and we, I think it's another reason why uh, we're playing good hockey is because they do such a, go- a good job of providing what they need from their area for our guys so our guys can just focus on playing. How do you uh, handle it? And by the way, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo to subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash 
straight from the source. That'll get you in for 40% off. Uh, Tim, how do you, uh, you, you mentioned always, again, the next man up mentality. It still has to be some sort of mental blow when a Jerry Mayhew is called up to the NHL. He's the best goal, goal scorer in the AHL. I mean, what does it do to the room? And how do you, and, and I know you say you don't handle it, but it's still got to affect you as a coach knowing that you've got to change some things on the ice that night. Well, coaches are always looking ahead. So mm-hmm. the the coach the coaches have a lot of balls in the air in the sense that we we need we're preparing for the next game but we also know what's coming up for instance on this road trip we've got the game tonight we fly to Manitoba tomorrow we play Saturday Sunday in Manitoba they will not have played since Saturday we'll have played two games in between that uh, and then we got to finish in Grand Rapids, and that's a seven-hour and 15-minute bus ride back to Des Moines wow. after the game on Wednesday. So it's a two-week trip, and that's how you finish. So you know that's on the horizon as you move along, and you what we do is we prepare around that. So you've got some foresight into practices. When are we going to get rest? Uh, all the different things that go into your daily itinerary, we, we prepare for, but we don't. that doesn't get transferred to the players. Well, all we want to do is keep the players in between the lines and have them ready for the next game. And it's, it's no different. It's, it's always, I guess it's in a sense, it's the way, with, say, for instance, with the coronavirus, for instance, the president can't come on, whether you like the president or not, he can't come on TV and panic. Because mm-hmm. if the president panics on TV, addressing the nation, everybody's going to panic. We know it's an issue, and I'm sure they've got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and trying to control this. Uh, but he's got to he's got to set a mood that everything's under control. Whether you agree or disagree, he's got to set that for the rest of the country, so we know everything's okay. And it's no different in any, in any sort of national emergency, if you will. Um, and as a coach, it's the same thing. It's how you, how you comport yourself and what our focus is uh, when, when Jerry gets called up or Bart gets called up or someone get, Hunter Warner got hurt last week again. We had him for three games. He got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these things are four games, when these things happen, it, it's, how, it's how you deal with it as coaches. And it, it, it's certainly in our, in our head, and we're preparing around it. But we, 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 we can't focus on that. The, those players aren't with us right now. So we've got a number of guys, and we'll have to have get 20 ready to play. And so when, as you address your team on a daily basis, you've got to come back in, and you just we're right back to work. And you sure, inside the room, they'll be asking questions. They'll be wondering about things. But if you come in and you're, you are self-assured and you're confident that the group that we have in that room is going to get the job done, they feed off it. And, that, and that's the reality of it. That's what a coach has to do. I don't believe in that next man up. I, I don't ever use that. And I always feel like when you say next man up, it's like saying to a player, a particular player, well, you weren't good enough to play when we had everybody, <laughs> but now we need you to really play well. For us, is we, we, have, we have good players and we have depth. And we, we work with each and every guy individually and how that fits collectively. And we know at some point they're all going to have to play. Some will play more. Some will produce more. But everybody will have an impact on our success. So with, with uh, Jerry up, well, then we've got to, somebody's going to go into that spot. It was Colton Beck, and then it was Cody McLeod. And those guys are more than capable of going and getting the job done. So we, we just sort of, we go, and like I said, yesterday we got the practice. It's, it's let's go. We got, we got, this is what we're going to work on today. This is what we liked about the game the other night. This is where we need to be a little bit better. This is what we're going to work on in practice. This is why 
We had a video session today before pregame skate. That was a visual in respect to what we worked on at practice yesterday in anticipation in preparation for tonight's game. And that's what, let's be ready to go when the puck drops. There's no mention of anything, anybody that's not with us. The responsibilities of all the guys with us are more than capable of getting the job done. And each night we put the best 20 together that we think gives us the best chance to win. And nothing changes no matter what the circumstances are. And that's how you kind of you kind of handle it. If you, if you get into, well, Jerry, Jerry's not here and you're talking about it or whatever. The guys are going to feel it. They're going to feel they're good enough. Yeah. And we are good enough. And we, we've, we've established a standard in Des Moines, a standard of play, an expectation for execution, an expectation to succeed. No matter who's in our lineup, our expectation is to go out and win. And the, the way you win is go play, you, go, you play the best possible game you can play. You play to your strengths. Everybody contributes. And if you do that, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win the game. And if you do that, then you're more often than not you're going to win. So that doesn't change for us. That's, that's kind of how we approach this, and that's what happens in the American Hockey League. It, you're, mm -hmm. It's very dynamic. Everybody goes through it. You have call-ups and your own injuries. It's the reality of it. The, NHL's team, the NHL teams deals with, deal with injuries, and you can't feel sorry for yourself. And we say this all the time to our guys, too. Nobody feels sorry for you. The other team doesn't feel sorry for you. They're trying to win. So we've got to go out ready to play, no matter what the circumstances are. So as we get ready for tonight's the drop of the puck tonight here in San Jose, that's, what we've, that's how it's transpired over the last you know, 40, 36 hours uh, since Capo got hurt, and that won't change. Robbie's a very good goalie. He's had a good year. Derek Bar Barabo's been really good in, 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 uh, in Allen, and they're going to give us a good tandem in the net. We're fully confident, and the 18 guys in front of them are going to play a really good game tonight. So explain how this is possible. Sam Annis, uh, who at times last year were playing the third and fourth line for you, uh, in 59 games leads the American Hockey League in scoring right now with 64 points, nearly double what he had all of last season. How is he doing this? His game is more complete. So, and, and, and he played for a different coach the year before, mm -hmm. and coaches are different, and coaches have different expectations. And sometimes for... And most everyone uh, has really responded to the way that our vision for, for our team. And it took him a little bit longer. And, and, and he was trying to find his way a little bit. And I probably was demanding different things from him. Uh, and so it, was, it, was, it took him some time uh, to kind of find his legs a little bit. And it was good on the other side of it. It's a two-way street, so it goes between player and coach as well. And I, over the summer, yes, I wanted to get more out of him because I thought I, I know there was more there than we got last year. And there was good in spots. And our power play was great last mm -hmm. year. And he's lights out on the power play. But we needed a, a more complete five-on-five -five game. Power plays, he's got great hands. He sees the ice. He distributes the puck. He's got a goal-scoring instinct. He, he, he's He's – Deadly on the power play, outstanding, but we wanted to get more, uh, more from him five on five. And so, as we came over the summer, and you sort of always reevaluate everything uh, as a coach. And I wanted to give him a little bit more. I wanted to give him a little bit more leeway as we went into the season. Mm -hmm. So if he turned a puck over at the blue line, or he didn't get a puck out, where last year I might not be as patient with him, I wanted to be more patient with him and kind of give him an opportunity to sense that I do trust him and to get his, just to get, get, regain some confidence. And I, his game is, his game has grown and he's so much more efficient, five on five, and trust him, 
I trust him in any situation now. And so I think that that improved five-on-five play, now he's still producing on the power play, but he's producing more five-on-five. And when you combine both of that, you end up with a guy that's got, you know, essentially more, more than a, point, a little more than a point a game, and he's leading the league in scoring. So uh, I think that has... I think that has been the sort of the evolution of his game. He hadn't scored an empty net goal in his career until I guess maybe a month or six weeks really? ago. And I think that, and then he, and he scored his first, and then he scored a second one. I didn't know that until after the game. I think that's reflective of Sammy's progress that he wouldn't have played in that right. situation a year ago. So now we're playing him in those big situations, five mm-hmm. on six. And I think just the fact that he's got a couple of goals, five on six, he it shows the the uh, the development in his game. So his his game is much much more efficient. And yeah, with 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 players like Sammy and Jerry, those offensive players, coaches are always going to give them a little bit more leeway. You, you, they have to do certain things to play to their strengths and produce. So you got to you got to give them that a little bit of that freedom. What you may let. You may let Sammy get away with Will Bitten. You won't. You won't allow it. You're going to hold Will Bitten a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not that Bitsy's not a, not a good player. It's just it's just what players bring to your team. So, I, I think I think Sammy has managed his games better, which which has, has allowed him to be a better five on five player. And he's such a gifted hockey player. So he's playing more minutes, uh, and he's playing on our top line. And Jerry Sturmey and Sammy were outstanding. But earlier in the year, it was Brandon Duhame and Sturmey and Sammy, and they were outstanding. He's had a terrific year, and when you look at Sammy's game, when you see that he's playing in those minutes, he's getting some empty net goals, that's reflective of his commitment with and without the puck. He's, be, he's become a really good all-around player, and as and he produces, he's obviously uh, a very gifted offensive player, and, and his numbers are reflective of, of his overall game. We just, uh, you know, we just saw uh, with Jerry came up to Minnesota, and he's the leading goal scorer in the AHL. He played on the top line there for four games, and and he wasn't able to produce a point. It's a lot harder to league. Do do you think that 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 I mean, one, do you think that is accurate? That that you know maybe the Jerry showed there that hey, you can't do the same thing in the NHL, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not an NHLer. But with Sam Annis, does that? I mean, do you think that uh, it's a hard question? But do you think he's a career NHLer, or can we one day see him? you know, get some time in the National Hockey League. I think as guys continue to develop, there's always an opportunity for them to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. The longer they play, the better they get. At some point, that opportunity will present itself. And so I don't think the door ever closes. And, and our responsibility as coaches here is for all of our guys to continue to progress. They all want to play in the NHL. And our responsibility as a coaching staff is to is to give them that environment that they can continue to grow as players. And they all have to be ready, and they all have different strengths. And there may come a time where you need a power play guy uh, it, it, with the big wild. And um, some guys are hurt, and, and it's dried up a little bit. And you've got a guy in with your American League team that's leading the league in scoring, and he's produced, and he, he, may, he may get that opportunity. You don't know the answer to it, but the more you continue to progress and the more you continue to produce, that opportunity is always there. His game is certainly tracking in a positive direction. And so I, I don't think that door's ever shut as long as you continue to improve, and he certainly has done that. And in respect to Jerry, yeah, you, you know, he, Jerry played eight games, scored two goals um, in, in, in Minnesota, played, played really well. Uh, he was up for that one game in Chicago. He hit the post. Uh, so Jerry – and Jerry played well. I was able to watch a few of the games. He's played well. 
Uh, he's done some good things. He's in the bumper on the power play when he played there. He's done a really good job in there. It's interesting for Jerry because he hadn't scored in the last four games here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So we, we went uh, – he didn't score in the second game. He had a hat trick, the 3 nothing game against San Diego, then didn't score the second night, and then we went on that road trip. Uh, and he played really well. Milwaukee in the two games in Texas, he played really well. It was a threat every time he was on the ice. But it didn't go in. And maybe it was just a, it was that time where you go up, and sometimes you, it's going in. Sometimes it is. It might just be in that little bit of a of a of a place right now. But Jerry can produce, and and Jerry game, Jerry's game is also evolving. And and, and he, he, you look at how he's progressed, and he's he's gonna he's gonna be a successful NHL player. Jerry can score. He's elusive. He plays in traffic. He's got bite to his game. He's got a goal scorer's instinct. He's got a great release. This is this is the process. This that is the best league in the world. It's hard to play there. Very rarely do players just go in and all of a sudden find their niche in the National Hockey League. You mm-hmm. go up, you play a few games, you come back. You go up, you play a game, you come back. You go up, you play another handful of games, you come back. And each time you learn from it, you continue to evolve your game in the minors. And at some point, it's going to click. He's too talented uh, for it not to click. At some day, at some point, it's going to work out. He's going to be an everyday NHL player. But that's that's just the process. And that's what we try to w- with our guys is don't get frustrated. This is this is part of it. It's the best league in the world it's hard to play there you're learning take what you learned and keep becoming a better player in the american hockey league keep your skills sharp so for instance with jerry jerry has a tendency to turn the puck over a lot Uh, and these are the things that we discuss with them you can get away with it here let's say you turn the puck over nine times in a game (laughs) you can get away with it here but if you go and you're playing in minnesota you're playing for the big wild and you're playing the third line you cannot turn the puck over like that you have to manage your game and you'll find if you manage your game here, it's going to lend itself to more success. The American League level is going to make you a better National League player. And so they need to go up and they need to experience that element. And it, and it begins to catch on. And that's, that's the process. Like Brendan Minnell going up mm-hmm. earlier in the year. Nelly's a really good hockey player. He's brilliant offensively. He's got to get a little bit stronger. And then he comes back and he learns how big and strong everybody is at the National Hockey League level. So it, 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 it all helps these guys. It gives them the resources and the tools and what they need to do to become better players. And we're trying to preach it to them. But if they're not experiencing it, they don't really understand it. Now they go, now it makes more sense to them, and we can continue to grow their game. So this is part of it yeah. for these guys to go up and, and to continue to learn. But that, And if you learn and you continue to grow, the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League is there. Jerry's a very talented hockey player. He's a natural goal scorer. Nelly's extremely smart. Uh, smart. And, and Sammy's case, he's a point producer. And that opportunity will present itself at some point. He's just got to believe and stay with it and keep growing his game. And and those that chance will come, and he'll be ready for it when it comes. And you know what you're talking about. You spent years in the National Hockey League as an assistant, coached some of the best players in the world with uh, Anaheim, Colorado, Washington, um, and teams like that. Um, I do want to ask you about a couple of uh, the, the guys that just turned pro that we're starting to get excited about in Minnesota, and that's Duheim and, and, uh, and Dewar. It looks like both of them have had your normal maturation to the American Hockey League and are starting to play big minutes for you guys, important minutes. Playing really well. Uh, we call him Dewey One, Dewey Two. So Brandon's <laughs> Dewey One. I get confused too because we got Brandon Brennan, Dewey One, Dewey Two. Dewey is Gabriel Dumont. So there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of confusion for a coach on the bench at times. Uh, Brandon came a little bit quicker than Connor, but he's also older. Three years at Providence College. He's 23 years old. Connor's 20. There's a big difference, uh, physical difference, and even a, 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 not that Connor's not a mature. 
mature kid, but there's a maturity difference, physical and, and mental maturity. So it took Connor a little bit longer, but Brandon is prototypical power forward. He's big and strong. He can skate, keeps the game simple. We're trying to work on his turnovers, recognizing game management situations. He can fight. He's <laughs> tough. He, he uh, has played the net front on the second power play unit for most of the year. Um, and he's been, he's been effective because he's big and strong. He retrieves pucks. He's got good hands. He's learning that physicality is there. And he's learning how to simplify but expand his game offensively, if that makes any sense. He has a tendency to overhandle the puck. He has a tendency to try to take the puck right. He may have a D-man. He's on the rush, and he takes it right at the D-man. He's dribbling, 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 and he's easy to defend. So more simple in the sense that take some ice, make the defenses, the defenseman's skate start to make him start to cross over, make him move to the middle. Now go back outside with less dribble. Use your power and your speed. He's learning to simplify, but to expand his offensive game. But he is he is a very good player. He's a guy that should be able to play some games in Minnesota next year. And by and, and who knows, he may come even quicker. But by training camp 221. He, he should have a really good opportunity to push and make, make the big team out of training camp. He, 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 he has a lot of pieces to his game. One of the things that surprised us was he didn't kill many penalties at Providence, and mm -hmm. we didn't, didn't realize that. And, and uh, so he, he should become a good penalty killer. So we're working with him. Tangs is working with him on becoming a really good penalty killer. If he can establish that with his speed and his power, he's got some offensive skill. He's got grit. He's tough. He can fight. There's a lot of really nice pieces to his game, and they're playing big minutes. And Connor, on the other hand, took a little bit longer, uh, was a little bit, you know, we call it glazed donuts at, when he first came, and then you go to the big camp, and a little bit wide-eyed a bit. Not A 20-year-old should be that way. And, mm -hmm. and, but as he's gotten his confidence – his game has really expanded, and now he's playing upwards of 17, 18 minutes a night. He's, he's killing penalties. He's killing penalties three on five. We had a three on five the other night in Stockton. It was he and Brownie that killed the penalty off. Uh, they did an outstanding job as forwards. Uh, he, now he's starting to play. He was playing the net front in the power play when Rousey was out. Now we're putting him on the flank in the second power play unit. So his game is really expanding. He's got great legs. He's extremely smart. He's got offensive instincts, and a lot like Brandon, he's got a lot of bite to his game. He's going to be a really good player. I was talking to Joe about this today, and I'm not saying he's Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson was my favorite player on that Olympic team in 80, but with the 40th year anniversary, you, you kind of started to watch things um, that you hadn't watched in years. And if you go to the, the, the last 10, 15 seconds of the game against the Russians, the puck moves to the left of Jim Craig. And I think it's Mike Ramsey's there. And it's Mark Johnson that's <laughs> underneath the puck. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Johnson gets control. And we call it a net dink. He didn't use that term in 1980. But he makes a little transfer behind the net. He gets it, makes a little transfer to, uh, to Ken Morrow. And then it comes up around the boards to Dave Silk. And then you, when you listen to Al Michaels, you hear Morrow up to Silk. And then the countdown but Dave Silk gets bottled up inside the blue line, and Mark Johnson goes from the corner underneath Dave Silk inside the blue line, and he tips the one that tips the puck out to the neutral zone. Mark Johnson also scored the two big goals in that game, the second and third goals. And 
when I was watching it and kind of looking at it as a, from a coach's eyes, now I can see why Herb Brooks used him so much. And they say Mark Johnson was the MVP of the team. He played in every situation. I'm not saying Connor Dewar is going to be Mark Johnson, but he plays that kind of hockey mm-hmm. game. He can produce, and he and he's always in the right spot, and that's why he plays big minutes for us now. He's gonna he's gonna be an outstanding hockey player. I, I think in those two guys, our uh, our fans and 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 the people with watching the Big Wild, these guys are two really good hockey players. Going to have a bright future and play a long time in St. Paul. And that line of Dewar, Duham, and Sokoloff, arguably has been our best line over the last six, seven weeks. You go May, you Sturm, Annis first, and these guys have been right behind it. They have been outstanding. And we, we're comfortable playing them against anybody. And that's why we're such a good road team is because we try to match. We do match at home. You can't always get it on the road. So you, want, so you don't want to get to the point where you're matching but it's affecting the rhythm of your team. So we'll play these guys D-zone face-off, all-zone face-off. If they throw out uh, their best line, uh, against that against that group, we have no reservation. It's not like we're pulling them off. We're letting them go, and they're playing terrific hockey. The three M Soki's growing too. So these guys, uh, they're assuming more and more responsibility, and have been a big reason as to why we've been able to ma- maintain our level of play. Uh, Dewar was the captain of the Everett Silvertips. Uh, I think he had 80 points or so last year. And Duhame went to Providence College from, uh, and and he's a Floridian. From uh, Parkland, Florida, right uh, due west of where I'm from, actually. And being um, a Providence College grad, yes. you know, <laughs> Dewey won. He's got a special place in my heart. Yeah. No, they all do, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you coached being, Providence being for a Friars, long time. Being Friars, having gone there and coached there, and my dad played there. My oldest boy, Derek, played there. So, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good connection. Yeah, This is straight from the source with Michael Russo. Tim Army is my guest, the coach of the Iowa Wild. Um, to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Articles galore. We have podcasts galore. Uh, Two Man Advantage with Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun is one of my favorites. Pierre's down in actually Boca Raton, Florida. Just got wrapped up with the GM's meetings. He was there with uh, our Craig Custance, and uh, they were joined by many special guests. And Burnside uh, this week uh, has uh, Barrett Jackman, the former St. Louis Blues, from the We Went Blues podcast with Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, Let me ask you, um, you mentioned Sokolov. Uh, He's always somebody that Wild fans ask me about because they see, you know, I think it's the the excitement of getting Capra off over here. You're going to soon see Havanov as well. Um, Sokolov, another Russian with this incredible skill set. We saw him light it up in juniors. Um, slow start to his Iowa career. Fitness has always been something of an issue, but it seems like he's absolutely matured to being a point where last year you had him scratched in the playoffs pretty much to now uh, playing a huge line with Duham and, and Dewar. And that's part of the process. This is These guys come to us, they're 20 years old, and they're, they're babies in a sense, and it's a process, especially young guys like that, to become a pro. And, and it is our responsibility to we, – we, we have to, as a coaching staff, we have to be hard on them because if we're not, they're not going to explore the abilities that they have. And Soki is very intriguing because he can do something that not everybody can do, and he can score goals, and you need scoring. If you're going to win, you have to be able to score. And last year he had 16, essentially playing five-on-five five minutes and probably averaged maybe nine minutes a game. And those are mostly five-on-five five goals as a 20-year-old who wasn't, yeah, I mean, his conditioning level is his challenge, and he wasn't in the same shape that – he wasn't in as good a shape as you as you would have you would have liked. But we played him. We were a little bit thinner up front last year. We played him. He was young. 
we thought maybe that we'll kind of spoon feed him a little bit and then we'll, we'll hope that he makes some strides over the summer. And, and the reality of it is he didn't come back in the shape that we had, we had anticipated. He came to development camp and he was heavy. He came to training camp and he was heavy. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, he didn't get to skate with the, with the groups in camp. He had to do the early morning skates. Um, and he didn't get that exposure right away till later in camp. We had spoken, uh, he and I, in June at development camp, and I said, this is going to be your mark. If you don't make this mark by the first game against Rockford, you're not going to be in the lineup. And he didn't make it. By Wednesday afternoon, he was off the mark. And I said, well, you're not going to play. And at that point, he was playing a little bit on our second power play. He was playing on one of the four lines, and he was upset by it. And, uh, and, and what ends up happening is, you know, he gets the wrong information from people, and this is for his own good. It's just like raising children. It, when you raise your kids, you, you're, you're a dad or you're a mom. You have, to, you have to be hard on your children. If you want them to be successful people, that's part of being a parent, and that's what we do. So we sat him out. He sat out for quite a while, and we were working to get his – we're working to get his conditioning level in a better place. And there are obviously some marks that you want it to be. And I can tell you now, um, we had a mark, he met it, and now we're reducing it. And he's 10 pounds lighter than he was at training camp. We'd like to get it a little bit more um, in the next few weeks and get him down to a real, real good number. And then we'll work on getting him down even further over the course of summer. But he is skating better. And as a result, he's playing much better hockey. And now all of a sudden, when it was so difficult early in the year, now he's starting to see why we did it. Mm -hmm. And he's a better hockey player right now. He's just not a goal scorer right now. He's making plays. And same with his line mates. That line is a group. They're starting to play 14 to 17, 18 minutes. A year ago, there's no way Soki could play 17 minutes. And now he's playing about 17 minutes because he's better at condition. He's got 15 goals. And again, most five on five. And he's a threat every time on the ice. He's skating better. He's making more plays. He's possessing the puck better. And he's better without the puck. He's better on the forecheck. He's better through the neutral zone. He's better in coverage. He's better tracking. His game is evolving. And he's an intriguing person. He, he's a fan. All of them are great kids. He's a great <laughs> kid. He's so intriguing because he can do something that not many people can do, and he can score goals. He's just got the gift for it, and he's big, and he's heavy, and he's hard to play against. He's not afraid. He'll go into traffic, and as we continue to work on his conditioning base and his feet get a little bit better, he, he is somebody that is very intriguing and and is somebody that is in, for me is going to play in Minnesota because he brings some things that you need. But we just got to keep working on the other things uh, in his in his in his lifestyle and in his game. But his his traction is moving in the right direction. Direction. He's a very exciting young prospect for us. Let me ask you about uh, another player that you haven't gotten your paws on yet, and that is Hovenoff, uh, the kid from Moncton, um, who might be turning pro uh, and be with you uh, later. Even if their season ends, he get you can get him late in the season or or maybe next. Next year, um, you know, I had John Trochetti on a podcast like a month ago, and who speaks your language, by the way. <laughs> um, and he had Hovnov, and he kind of talks like him, like about him the way with, that you do about Sokolov. You know, fitness is his big issue, nutrition, things like that, and also the fact that there was a point where he kind of, you know, basically almost said, "Hey, you know, I'll just go to the KHL," and and John had to have some hard times with him. 
Um, how important is for, for, for like Wild fans are looking at that like, well, maybe he'll be in Minnesota next year. He, these guys, there is a process. I yes. mean, a 19 year old can't just all of a sudden, if you're not Connor McDavid, just show up in, in Minnesota and play. I mean, he's going to need his time in Iowa, right? If the playing in Des Moines is a good thing. Yeah. And, and you should spend time in the minors unless you're, yeah, Nathan McKinnon. And I'm using these guys. I coached them in Colorado. Uh, Gabe Landis guy. You know, you look at Miko Ranton. It's been a full year mm-hmm. in the minors. We played nine games for us in Colorado. Then spent the whole year in the minors. Joe wasn't going to bring him in. Patty was kind of like, we, we we could use him, but Joe's like, no, <laughs> he's going to develop the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't get the benefit of it, but they are now. And, yeah. and but that's the process, and it's a good thing. You have to play in the minors. If you're ready, yeah. If you're an elite player and you're ready to play in the NHL, that's great. Look at Eki's development. It's, and look at the way Eki's playing right now in Minnesota. He is establishing himself as an outstanding player. He's going to be a terrific three-zone player, two-way player that can produce. He's already got career highs and goals and assists. He's outstanding. He's big. He's heavy. He can defend. He can play penalty kill. He can play power play down the road, uh, and that will be a decision down the road for, uh, for the staff. But he, it, it, Eki, it takes time, and it's no different with, uh, no different with uh, Kovanoff as he comes in. He's brilliant. Uh, we had him in Traverse City two years ago, 2018. He was hurt this year, so we didn't have him. And and then, of course, he went uh, – and he, he was another one of those guys that didn't come in the best of – he didn't make some marks conditioning-wise and was mm-hmm. not uh, in, in, it was not uh, ingrained in the big camp until late. And, uh, and that was probably frustrating for him, but this is part of, of their growth. Uh, it's good, number one, that John's there with them because John's been through it. He's coaching the NHL. He's coaching the American League. He knows what, his take. He's hard, what it takes. He's hard on his guys. So he's keeping them in the lines, which is really important because you might come from another program where it just lets them play because they're trying to win. They're going to let him do his thing because he's brilliant offensively. He was outstanding with Russia in the World Juniors. He was outstanding. He, he's a brilliant hockey player. Uh, he's one of those guys that he's such a good distributor of the puck um, that he makes everybody around him better. You can't say much better, more. You can't say better things about a center when he makes everybody around him better. So mm-hmm. he has that. But yeah, there's some elements to his game. But you just can't play in the NHL and play one way. And so the conditioning piece is going to be important for him. And learning how to play the game, a complete game, sort of like we were talking about Sammy, like we're talking about with Brandon and Connor and Soki or Will Bitten, they're learning to play a complete game. You have to play a complete game. You have to play in all three zones. You have to play on both sides of the puck in order to play in the National Hockey League. And you've got to be in good shape to play in the National Hockey League. And so it is very important that they spend time in the minors and there's no rush there's no panic it doesn't have to be in one year it may take two or three years and that's okay because when you get them at 23 or 24 years old they're going to be much more prepared you're going to have a much more complete player and you're going to have a player that can make an impact at the national hockey league and that's what that's what you want so he is a very talented player he's an exciting player for organization but there's going to be a learning curve for him and it's not always going to be easy based on what we know right now He's going to be in and out at times next year. And that's the responsibility of us as a coaching staff to establish the foundation so he can springboard and develop into the player that he, that he, he should be able to because, he again, he has some characteristics uh, that are very difficult to teach. He is a brilliant, brilliant hockey player. But it will be a learning curve for him, and it will be really good for him in Iowa, however long it takes for him. When he gets a chance to play in the National Hockey League, he'll be a much more complete player and a much, be much more 
in a position to play and make an impact for the big wild. Um, I have uh, some Twitter questions for you, Tim, from a bunch of wild fans as well. But uh, for a second, I just want to take a moment, a brief moment to, to uh, ask our loyal listeners here to uh, click into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that there is to a very, very short survey. Uh, you know everything about me. You know everything about us. Uh, but we don't know anything about you. The survey is 11 super simple questions that will take you less than a minute, I promise. So head to the show notes for today's episode and click on the link. And uh, we really do appreciate that. Uh, Timmy, um, just a ton of questions. I won't, I won't have to ask you all of them. But uh, but uh, w- one from uh, Dean asks, uh, what are Nico Sturm's strengths and weaknesses? How is he progressing? And, um, and uh, d- do you guys watch Minnesota Wild Games regularly? Yeah, we watch whenever whenever the Wild are on, and we're not playing. We we watch them for sure, uh, and it's because we want to keep up the speed with with what they're doing, how they're doing. Uh, the coaches, we, we we talk not not a lot because both both groups are really busy. But we're we're in good communication. But we watch them all the time. If we're playing, and we're at home. And they're playing at the same time. We'll at least have the game on, so you come mm-hmm. in between periods, you can poke up and take a look. And uh, but watch all the time. It's very important that uh, that we do that. So uh, that's that's a fun piece. But what was the other part of that? Uh, Nico, Nico. Oh, Sturm. Nico, outstanding too. With the way the other guys are playing, he he has been outstanding. So he was really sort of our third line center to start the year. Johnny was hurt initially. And Nico was sort of that. We was penciled in as the third line forward. Then Johnny got hurt. Nico started to assume more responsibility. Uh, but as we got towards December, his game was really starting to evolve. And then he went up, and he played really well. Again, and we like to watch too when our guys go up. It's important for us to be able to watch them because we want to make sure what we're seeing that we have them ready. What they might be lacking, uh, and of course we'll talk when they come back down. But so we visualize it so when they come back to us, we know what the direction we want to continue to pr- progress with them. But he was out saying that he's, since he came back, um, he's become our, you know, he's become our, our top center. Uh, and he's been was playing with Jerry, playing with, with, uh, with Sammy. And as much of those guys have had success, a big reason for it is because of Nico Sturm. He's a power center. Um, he's the, the, the modern center, power center, full speed, heavy, physical, very, very, very difficult to play against. Good on face-offs. Um, Fitness can, is not an issue with him. No issue whatsoever. <laughs> That's not an issue with him. He is, and and Brandon and and Connor are those three guys really take good care of themselves. Nico takes outstanding care of himself. Uh, he is progressing in a very positive direction. He's that classic. He's that classic power center that can play again on both sides of the puck, but he's good enough that he can make plays, he can get around the net. You can see that his production has increased uh, since he came back uh, when he was in, in Minnesota, since he's come back. And part of that's playing with Jerry and playing with Sammy. On the other side of it, they don't produce if they're not playing with him as well as much. The three of them fit really well together. He creates a lot of space. He's heavy on the forecheck. He plays with a lot of speed. He creates space, but he can make plays, and uh, he gets good around the net. The thing with Nico that we the, the two things that we're trying to work with him and that's been part of the process, and this is part of becoming a pro. Because if Clarkson, he could probably just control the game because of his sheer power. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things: there are times that he'll 
he'll resort and he's getting much better. You still have to play with the other four guys. <laughs> and there were times where he just tried to take the game over by himself. And, and at this level, you get exposed when you do that. The four guys you're on the ice, they don't really know how to read you. You're running around and you're playing against good players and they expose it. He's become much more hurry but don't rush, much more understanding of how he fits with the other four guys in the ice. And when that moment is for him to be active. So his, his game is rounding out in that sense. And he's still, like a lot of young players, he feels that points are his ticket to the National Hockey League. And we keep telling him that's not what your ticket to the National Hockey League is. If you play right and you play inside the framework of the game because you're such a good player, those things, those things will follow. And, and it did. He, I, he found that nice rhythm to his game. What has happened since Jerry's gone up, that line hasn't produced as much five-on-five. Five. And so when he's not producing, you can feel him getting antsy on the bench. And then all of a sudden, he starts to drive it too much because he wants to try to take over the game. He wants to force feed some points. And so you got to go down and say, you know, relax, slow down a little bit, play right, play with the other four guys, execute, and you'll get your chances. And when that moment comes, be ready for it, and you'll take advantage of it. So, And that's just – that's – that's why you have to play in Iowa. That's part of the growth of a player. Everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses, and that's it. It's more of a mental thing in the sense that continue to keep doing what you're doing, keep executing, and those things will find their way. But if you play effectively within the framework of your game, everything will sort itself out. And we play that line when we can against the other team's best line. So he's drawing guys like Rasmussen in Grand Rapids, you know, uh, Avecchione in San Antonio. He's playing against the top guys on the other bench, the top centers, and I'll tell you what, he is very, very difficult to play against. And not only does he shut them down defensively, but now he's now as he continues to grow, he's starting to take advantage of it offensively. And you know it's a good thing when the coach on the other side is trying to flip that match. Right. So we did that with Chicago. We were trying to play him against Quinney, and they were trying to flip the match. And so then you know that this is a good hockey player and that they recognize the impact that he's having on the game. That's yep. Nico Sturm. Yep, Nico Sturm, fifth on the Iowa Wild and scoring 32 points behind Sam Annis, who leads the league in scoring. Jerry May, who still leads the league in goals. Uh, Brennan Manel, who's second in the league in points for defensemen. And then uh, Kyle Rau, who's always good for about a point a game in the AHL. Um, some more fun questions here for you uh, from Daniel. What kind of pregame superstitions does Coach Tim Army have? I've gotten away from it. I used to have a lot of them. <laughs> and I finally realized that they don't have any impact on the game. They actually – So podcasts on the day of the game is not a superstition. Doesn't, no, it doesn't bother me. I, I Yeah, I have some things that I like to do, uh, but it's more my routine of getting work done. Mm-hmm. So I know everything I'm, – I'm, so I'm very compulsive, so I want to make sure that I got everything done. I need to have my game card done, my lineup done, video done, all, all this type of stuff. But walk in a certain way or going to bed at a certain time, the day is the day. I, I found, and I guess that's your own, your own maturity as a person, getting away from that has allowed me to think a lot mm-hmm. more clearly. I think when you're so tied up in those, and I used to be that way. Mm-hmm. When I was in college and playing in college, m- my wife, who was then my girlfriend, she couldn't see me. I could, she couldn't even talk to me after 11 o'clock in the morning until mm-hmm. after the game. You know, I was that sort of tightly wound in those days. And, and I've changed in that sense because I just it doesn't have any impact on the game. What's going to have the impact in the game is how we've prepared our team. And then when we get on the bench at night, are we ready to, to, to uh, obviously 
recognize what's happening and adjust as we need to during the game. You got to have a clear head for that. So I've gotten away. I used to be very much dialed into that type of stuff, and now I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't pay much attention to it anymore. Mason Shaw, how's he doing? Really good. He's not going to play tonight. And was part of the plan. He's not very happy with me. We just talked this morning. But I was looking to give him a break along the way. Uh, he's played really well. He's played a number of different positions. He played both center, both wings for us. He was. We kept him to 10 minutes early when he first came back. And then he's getting up around 14 minutes now. Now we'll give him a little bit of penalty kill time. He's very smart, very competitive. Uh, he's another guy, another one of our young guys that's going to have an impact in Minnesota someday. He's a really good hockey player. We're just trying to get, make sure that he's got his legs. The last two games, he's been good. He's been outstanding. We've had him at right wing with Johnson and Rao. It's been an outstanding line. We put them together for the Milwaukee game a couple weeks ago, and it's been outstanding. And then we threw him in the middle against Stockton because uh, Rousey was out, and he played really well in the middle. But uh, So he can move him around. He's very versatile. But looking at his skating the last couple of games, he's been really good in both games, but not quite the same pop he had. So just felt it was a good time. I've been planning all along to give him a little bit of a break just to let him let it rest a little bit, and then we'll get him back in on the weekend when we get to mm -hmm. Manitoba. I just think a couple days will be good for him. Coming through what he's come through, and you're talking the third time on this, but playing extremely well and, and extremely smart, competitive, aggressive, can play in any situation, can play any forward position. He got a lot of bite to his game. He's played really, really, really well for us. And as I said, just kind of, you know, we're always observing these things as coaches and watching our guys and just looking at it a little bit. And maybe lacked a little pop the last two games. Not bad, good, but it was a good time to give him a rest. And we want to get Bitsy in there. And that's one of the things that we do prepare for. You asked a question about Jerry. It does affect our power play because a right shot in that bumper the way that we run it with Nelly, Sammy, and Rousey, Johnny's on the other flank, the right shot opens up more ice for Sammy and Rousey. And when um, when when Jerry went up, we put Bitsy in. Bitsy's been very good whenever Jerry's been up this year. We scored three against Chicago. It was outstanding. Rousey didn't play. We put Connor at the net front and, and, uh, and Will in the, in the bumper. And uh, it was outstanding. And it just sets... Sets up our power play a little bit better. We tried Connor in the bumper the other night as a left shot, but it takes away some of the options. It takes away some of the ice that Sammy can attack and Rousey can attack. And so we put Bitsy back in there. And mm -hmm. so it gets Bitsy back in. Bitsy's also a very good penalty killer. And then we give Shawzi a, a night just to – it's good. Give him a little bit of a break, but <laughs> he's progressing in the right direction. He's got a really bright future. Obviously, we want most importantly to try and keep him healthy, obviously, right, right now. Yep. Um, Hockey Leaf asks uh, if you can contrast the styles that – Brennan Manel and Louis Belpedio will fit in the NHL. Two different players. Yeah, uh, Nelly is—he's uh, a brilliant hockey player. And Sammy's brilliant up front. Nelly's brilliant on the back end. He's got great offensive instincts. He's one of those guys that he pinches at the right time. He comes up with a lot of pucks. Uh, another player like Jerry and Sam that sometimes there's always going to be a little bit of risk to their game because they're offensive-minded players, but more often than not, they make the right decision. He just has great instincts for the game. Louis, on the other hand, is a is a, a beautiful skater, very mobile, um, more phys stronger, more physical than Nelly. Louis can really fight too. 
Uh, and and he's a smart offensive player. Louis Louis, I think, in the top five in the league for defenseman shots on goal. So Louis gets a share of chances, uh, and he runs our second power play and does a really good job of it. Um, but Nelly's not as physical a player as Louis. He gets by. He, he plays more with his smarts and his guile. Louis plays a little bit more with his mobility and his brawn a <laughs> bit. So both are a little bit different, and so they don't. The good thing about it is they don't play the sort of same role. So they both can fill, ultimately in Minnesota, uh, a, a different responsibility. Nelly's always going to be that guy that can quarterback your power play and adds a great deal to your offense. What we want to do with Nelly is keep getting him stronger so he can engage in those battles at the National League level and, and trust himself more in those battles. Louis, on the other hand, with Louis, it's to make, make a quicker decision with the puck sometimes. Nelly, who will move it quicker and understands the spacing and the timing. Louis sometimes will have it, will have a chance to move it. He'll hold it, he'll bring it back, and he'll put himself in the soup a little bit. So it's getting Louis, getting Nelly to get a little more strength so that he can engage and be more confident in those battles. For Louis, it's to make just a little bit more quick, quicker decisions to advance the puck a little bit more quickly to allow mm -hmm. the team to get into, into a quicker transition game. And he, but he's also very physical. So both guys, both young right defensemen, so you think they're the same player but they're they're different players and both would fill you know Nelly would fill a more offensive role Louis would fill a more uh well-rounded more penalty killing role he's a good shot blocker uh more of a guy that you can rely on to play tough minutes and can play uh can do a great job killing Nelly can run your power play and add a lot to your offense a couple more questions with uh, Tim Army, a really good one here. Um, what's your view on the push and pull between the AHL being a developmental league and then winning games? Yeah, I mean, that is always tough. I mean, you, you're a coach. You want to win. Um, but yet, you know, you're, you're, sometimes that means that uh, you're maybe putting young kids in positions that are, you know, not it, maybe they're not ready for it. Last year is actually maybe a good example where you guys are trying to win a cup last year and you went with the Hamburglar in that rather than Kakinen. Yeah, and, and those are decisions that uh, TK's really good letting us put our lineup together and how we want to go about it because I think TK knows and Billy knows that we are, we are trying to develop our guys so they can play in Minnesota. But I think it goes hand in hand. When I first got the job here, I, you know, it was threefold. Was one, we wanted to develop our guys develop individually. We wanted to mirror what a lot of things that the Wild do. We do some things different, but we want, but we want to mirror some things similarly so when they go up, they don't have to focus on that. They can just – it transitions um, le less, less difficult for them. And the third thing is, though, you have to develop in a winning environment. So the other side of it is the goal is for the Big Wild to win the Stanley Cup. But if our guys can't have success and play in a cauldron at this level, then they can't go up. If you can't do it here, then how are you going to go help at the National mm -hmm. Hockey Club? You're not going to be able to help the Wild. So they have to learn. They have to develop individually, but in a collective winning environment. It is very, very important to them at the minor league level that you have success so our guys experience the ups and downs of that stage of the season and the ability and, the, and to have the resources to try to have success in, in, in those situations. So it, it is very important. Um, and so when you manage your team on a daily basis, that's what our focus is. And when we 
We talk to guys individually when we look at video. We talk to the team collectively. Everything is about individual growth within a collective environment because a group of individuals cannot win in the National Hockey League. It has to be a good team. So we feel as though it's, it, it goes twofold and it's very, very important. And at the same token, yeah, usually the veteran guys are further along than the young guys mm -hmm. when the season starts. It's always the way it was. When I was coaching in Anaheim, guys like Peter Duras and Tim Sweeney, guys like that had been around, they were always the better players in camp. And as by the time you got going, the younger guys started to get better. And that's what ends up happening. By Christmas time, all young guys start to get a lot of traction. And, and it's good because you, you're allowed, you, you, you get them, you're allowed to teach, you're allowed to lay a really good foundation for them. And then you're allowed, and then that gives them a chance to springboard. And our team, again, last year and this year is reflective of that. Our young guys are all playing a lot. You look at the the, the defense, uh, Nelly and, and Louis are, are, are too young D. Too bad Hunter Warner's been hurt all year, mm -hmm. but Hunter's another guy to keep your eye on in Minnesota. Hunter's been outstanding. He's just been banged up all year long. It's been one of those years, but he provides a, a Greg Pattern game. You know, mm -hmm. he, he's a, and he's getting better and better and more efficient with the puck. So Capo continuing to develop. Capo learned from that last year. It's not about him just being ready last year. It's about can he go eventually to Minnesota and be there every day. And last year was good for him. He was great the first two-thirds of the year, and he got tired. And that's natural mm -hmm. for a young goalie. I know he played pro in Finland, but this is a different set of circumstances. Yeah. This is different responsibility. So he was able to watch Hammer, and he gained a lot from that. And so it might have not have been optimal for Capo last year, but it sure worked out for him this year, and now he's become a much better goalie because mm -hmm. of it. And and so and he, and he played really well when he was in Minnesota as well. So now you're looking, you're saying, okay, he's tracking in the right direction. That's all part of the process. And you look at our, you just look at our team this year. So you got Shawzi's back in, and he's coming back from injury, so it's a little bit different. But he's playing, he's playing good minutes. A bit when he's in plays 17, 18 minutes a night. He's killing penalties, playing power play, Sturmy. Um, Brandon, Connor, Soki, they have all gotten better. And what what's happened is they're all uh, they're all playing bigger minutes, Nelly, Louie, and what's happening now, and this is what happens in the American League, they're cutting into the minutes of your veteran guys. When yeah. Dumont, JT Brown, when these guys were playing big minutes early in the year, the younger guys weren't playing as much. Now all of a sudden, they're playing more, playing as many, if not more minutes than the veteran guys. Right. And that's the process. And they're playing them, and they're playing good hockey, and they're playing in a playoff chase right now. And what better way to develop in this environment? Because if they're going to help the, the big wild win a Stanley Cup, they got to be able to do it here. That's awesome. Uh, a couple more quickies for you. Um, this is a good one, uh, and it shows that somebody reads The Athletic because uh, he must have read my, my uh, feature that I wrote on you when you were hired last year. But he asked, um, I recall reading about his baggy suits. Would he, would he be willing to expand on that uh, for the podcast? And uh, what coaches do you draw inspiration from? That's a good question. Uh, so when I was a kid, I was the third brother. So, you know, back then you got the hand-me-downs. And my clothes were always tight when I was – I hated them. I remember going to church. My mother put me in a pair of pants, and I was tight. And they I hate always said, they're tight, Mom. I don't like them. So I always said, as I get older, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to buy clothes that are comfortable. doesn't matter to me what people think. I'm going to be comfortable. Same way my dad, when he grilled, everything was like rare or medium rare, and I hated it. But in those days, it wasn't like when we raised our kids. Our kids got... You know, one like swordfish, the other guy wanted a steak. They got what they wanted. You know, my, my wife and I, you know, 
well, they got what they 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 what they'd eat back in those days. You didn't eat then. I hated hot dogs. My father used to eat these buy these soggies, and they were from uh, they reminded me of the uh, Seaside Park in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where my dad grew up. When Bridgeport was a little bit different than it is now, and uh, I hated them. They were like eating wax. And my mother said, "Well, that's all you get." I used to eat ketchup in a bun. I put ketchup in a bun. That was my dinner. So my point. So. When my father gave me a burger and you bit into it and it was red, I was disgusted. I said, when I get older, when I have my own stuff, I'm buying baggy clothes and I'm gonna, everything's going to be cooked. And I always say to people, I want that cooked like a hockey puck. Cook it so well done that we can drop it and we can play hockey right here on it. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of how the baggy clothes, my wife makes fun of me still, always makes fun of me. She also says I talk too much. But... Um, <laughs> So that's well, that, I, I joked coming into this podcast that I was going to ask you two questions and then leave an hour later. And coaches that inspire me, obviously, um, Ron Wilson had the biggest impact on my career. I worked for Ron for nine years. We worked together for four years in Anaheim and five years in Washington. Mm-hmm. So Ron has been a huge mentor of mine. How's he doing? Okay. He's doing good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I communicate. I text him every, you know, every couple months, text, text, see how he's doing. He's living, uh, he's down in South Carolina. Um, He has three granddaughters. Um, His oldest daughter has two. His youngest daughter has just had one, has one. I know he and his wife, Maureen, they spend a lot of time with the grandkids. He's in good spirits. Uh, We're both Yankees fans, so I text him about (laughs) the Yankees, why they didn't know Severino was hurt, what's going on with Judge, how can Stanton have another calf injury. I'll text him some stuff like that. Um, But he's doing good. Um, it's just, it was, yeah, it was, I saw him in Nashville, uh, in April of, I forget now, 2016. And then it was the next fall, I think that, uh, he, he, that he got sick and, and, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, he's, he's good. And, and, uh, I guess I haven't seen him, but I, I, I text with him a lot. He's a great man. And I'll always ask him for some advice. It might be just something I might text him and say, what would you do in this situation? So he's had a great impact on me. It's like your dad. Sometimes when you say something, you go, oh, my God, I sound like my dad. I'll still say something. I go, oh, my God, I sound like Ron. So great impact on me. Patrick and I had a great relationship in Colorado. And uh, Pat and I talk a lot. And we exchange a lot of ideas. So Pat continues to have an impact on me. Uh, we worked really well together. I love this vision of the game. It was a contemporary vision of the game. We talk about a lot of things. And then from there, you know, there's a lot of coaches that, yeah, I worked for some great people like Clark Donatelli and Wilkes-Barre and Mike McShane years ago at Providence College and uh, Jared Bednar. I, I, I was only, only one year with Jared, but it was a great year. I learned a lot from Jared too. So I've been able to, I've been around some, I've worked for some great, uh, some great head coaches. Uh, and then there's always people that you kind of observe that you like like um and they always look for you know how they go about doing things and and, and those are kind of the obvious people out there uh that you look but even again revisiting what happened 40 years ago and what herb brooks did and his vision of the game was ahead of its time and lou vero was the same way and lose another another uh, coach that I talked to and and uh, they had a different vision they 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 created this hybrid of hockey in our country that was far ahead of its time and they were doing things Herb Brooks was doing things with that 80 Olympic team probably with his teams in Minnesota before that that teams are doing today in respect to puck possession and speed through the neutral zone he was far ahead of his time so you're always watching it was kind of been fun the last few weeks to kind of revisit I've read some books on him and trying to revisit some of that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it allows you to grow as a coach. So 
a lot of coaches have impact and, and uh, you know what the other thing that whether it's uh, it's 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 leaders too that you you try to learn from too whether it's presidents or generals uh one of the generals for me um and i'm a bit of a history buff is, is is u.s grant because of what he had to do in the civil war and and the same with lincoln the two of them together and what they had to deal with and they had a vision and they stayed with that vision. And that's the thing about Jared Bednar. He had a vision. He had a way he wanted to play. And we had a, we had a really difficult year that year, but he stayed with it. Now he's 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 developed. Obviously, he's got a, he's got a great team there. So that stuff I find very very interesting. So there's a lot of different influences uh, that help you keep uh, that help you sort of sort through the daily activities and the challenges that come along with uh, with each day as a yeah, coach. I don't know Jared Bednar well at all, but I am I am so fascinated how a guy that could come so last minute there because Patrick Wall resigned in August win a Calder Cup in Cleveland, just show up in Colorado, have such a tough, tough year where everybody's talking already that his job's on the line, and here he is still many years later, one of the most tenured coaches in the NHL and, and uh, coaching a really good Colorado team. It's pretty impressive. By the way, uh, how many Providence, Rhode Island-born Providence College alums are Yankees fans? i got to know this. Uh, you? Uh, me and Ron, I know for sure. My dad, my son, I know the four of us for sure. Are, uh, are big Yankees fans. Actually, Rhode Island is one of those states that's sort of split because it's uh, it's kind of sort of like southern New England. So when you get down towards Connecticut, that's Yankee, yeah. country, uh, Yankee country. Rhode Island's kind of split. Uh, a lot of Yankee fans, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of Red Sox fans as you go north, and we live in Maine now, it's all Red Sox. It's Red Sox country up there. It's like older generation. Um, people a little bit older than me, 60-year-old, they're all New York Giant football fans because there was no the, the Boston Patriots were in the old right. NFL, so everybody's New York Giants fans in the NFL, the older generation. Now, of course, the younger people are uh, Patriots fans. But, yeah, it's pretty split. There's a lot of Yankees fans. <laughs> and, and my brother, my oldest brother is a Red Sox fan. My next brother is a Yankee fan. So at the family get-together, all, all my brother Tommy's, all his his kids are all Red Sox fans. Billy's are Yankee fans. So it's it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good battle when we get yeah. to uh, when we get to, together in the summertime. Last question. Um, you know, head coach at Providence College. You've been an assistant a long time in the NHL at Colorado, Anaheim, Washington. Um, obviously, doing a sensational job in Iowa here. Maybe have a chance to win a Calder Cup this season. Um, how much do you aspire to get back to the National Hockey League, um, either in an assistant level or, or to get the head job? I mean, the Wild are one team that might this summer have a big time coaching search, and obviously, uh, you're doing a great job here. Well, two things. One is you don't get ahead of yourself. We we know what's out there. Well, and and it, I know it's a cliche, but we got to be ready to play a good game tonight. You know, we're, we're having a, we're having a, we're having a really good year. Obviously, we're second overall in the, in the, in the American League in points. We're trying to chase down Milwaukee. We'll, we, that's what our focus is: to win the division, win the conference for home ice, and then that will set us up when we get into the playoffs from there. But you can't get there. I always say to the guys, "There's no X next to our name yet. Until we get that X, we're not in." So the first goal is to get in. Then you want the Y division title, and then we'll go from there. So you just get you get ready for you get ready for today. And we got a we got a we got a team that has given us difficulty this year. So we'll have a tough game tonight, but we'll be ready to go. And and then the other side of it um, is, you know, my dad. It, I was raised in a different time, and I know people laugh at me when they say this. I never get ahead of myself. I never mm -hmm. have. I love what I'm doing right now. I love where I'm at. I love coaching. 
Uh, I love our staff and I love our players and I love what we're trying to accomplish here and I'm dialed in and that's all my focus is. I really love what I'm doing here in Des Moines and, and that's, all I, that's all I care about. My dad was, was, we were just at home at the All-Star break. My dad was a hockey captain at Providence College. He was a pitcher in the baseball team. My grandfather was a pro ball player and he was a trainer for the Providence Reds. That's where the hockey connection started, 1936 to 1969 when he passed. In January 69, he was a trainer for the Reds. That was the hockey bug for our family. Um, but my dad, he told my dad, my dad told me this, or I never knew it. He said, get a job with a utility company and stay there. You'll have a home, a wife, children, you'll have a good life, right? That was his, and sure enough, my dad went to work for the Providence Gas Company. Mm -hmm. He was a salesman. He was out on the road going door to door. He became a management, became a vice president when he retired. But my dad stayed in that, that job. That's how it was. That was your job. My dad was loyal. I, I think for me, it, it taught me stay in the moment always and be grateful for what you have. Sometimes when you're younger, you get jaded by things. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful because this is a tough business and coaching's tough and things can change. And so you just you do the best you can every single day. Enjoy what you're doing because it's, it's a great life and I love what I do. Enjoy it. Be loyal. Be prepared every single day. And after that, whatever, whatever transpires, transpires. But obviously right now, let's play a good game tonight. And, and let's, let's, we keep saying to the guys, uh, we, we, we wanna, we're expecting to be here till June. Yep. Tom Army is how old now? He's going to be 90 in May. Is he still an office official? Yes, he is. He still goes over. That's I don't crazy. know how much work he does anymore, but he, see, he, he loves he's not the, the video. He's not the gold judge. He, no, no. He's a minor <laughs> official against the lineups. I think he just likes everybody loves yeah. my dad. My dad's one of those guys. That's that, the Providence AHL games. That that's Pro yeah. Providence Bruins. He's been doing it for years. And I think he just goes and talks to people now. Yeah. That's what it, that's what uh, and it, it gets him out of the house for my mom. So she gets a few hours of uh, some quiet. She can get the TV for herself for a little while. Well, um, if anybody has lasted through the uh, hour and five minute podcast, they know why your nickname is Turbo. Uh, you, you definitely talk. It's it been an incredibly informative uh, podcast. I think uh, all of us in Minnesota, we'd love to watch Iowa uh, more and pay attention to Iowa more, and sometimes it's just so hard. Um, so it's really been exciting to watch you guys uh, win this year, and I'm looking forward to uh, – hopefully I'm looking forward to covering Minnesota in the playoffs, but if not, you know I'll be in Des Moines again uh, because it was a heck of a lot of fun uh, going to Wells Fargo Arena last year. Um, Tim, thank you, thank you so much, and if you are listening to this podcast, uh, please uh, click the show URL. That will get you the athletic.com slash straight from the source. Um, that can help you subscribe to The Athletic and also uh, please rate this podcast as well. Tim, thanks so much. Great having you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you.